Welcome to another version of the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. This one being done by video. Uh, happy to have Mr. Steve Fleischman with us from Southern California. Steve, how are you doing out there? You know, we're doing well. The weather's gorgeous. I just wish we could uh, return to normal, uh, normal things around here, but everything's good. Yeah, I think everybody uh, wants, wants the same thing. We wanted to get you on the podcast to get some um, updates, uh, particularly with uh, reptile tactics, uh, what you're seeing on the uh, appellate level. And I think we need to jump right in and talk about what just happened in Indiana. Can you maybe tell our audience about this major development um, that uh, and word is spreading of this very quickly? I believe it was yeah. mostly last week. Why don't you fill us in on what's going on there? Sure. The case is called McNamara versus Navarre. Right now, only a Westlaw citation is available. It's 2020 Westlaw 1934175. That's 2020 Westlaw 1934175. Now, for years, you've been preaching, Bill, correctly, that you can't wait until trial and file a motion in limine and hope to keep reptile out of the out of the trial that's just not a good strategy and I, i've agreed with you you've got to get involved up front in discovery before it happens these defense attorneys went one step further and they filed a motion for a protective order before depositions began and they said look judge we want to know what the ground rules are we think reptile questions are improper now, it's an otherwise uneventful, wrongful death case. The defendant was driving a semi-truck, killed the decedent. Nothing spectacular about the case, but defendant filed a motion, in, a motion for protective order saying, in our experience, this plaintiff's attorney will ask reptile questions, specifically about alleged safety rules. And we want a protective order to prevent plaintiff's counsel from doing that in depositions. I thought this was a great strategy to get up in front of the issue and know what the ground rules are going into deposition. Steve, let me interrupt. Has this ever, has it ever been done before? I've never heard I, of it. I've never heard of it, and I want to take these, when things get back to normal, I want to take these defense attorneys out to dinner <laughs> and, and talk about it. You know, I, I was asked at a seminar a few years ago, has this ever come up in discovery? And I said, I don't know. But to be honest, I could see a lot of judges kind of punting on the issue, saying, let the depositions go forward. Um, and I was wrong. I'm happy, I'm happy to admit it. At least one judge in Indiana said this is wrong. Now, plaintiffs in their opposition, how can I put this politely? Um, instead of addressing the merits, decided to attack a well-known and very successful um, trial consultant. You oh. want to talk about that, Bill? Yeah, they, uh, um, I got the email. Falsely, I, I, I should add. Yes, uh, you sent the email to me with the attachment, and uh, I, I believe they did a, dedicated a whole paragraph to me and my company, and uh, we're pretty much blatantly uh, inaccurate um, yeah, it, it kind of ruffled my feathers a little bit, but after talking uh, to some folks, uh, I guess I'm more flattered if, if anything, uh, but yeah, I guess the, the defense cited my, 
one of my main reptile anti-reptile articles in their motion and apparently it works so i guess in the response to the court they tried to attack me attack the company yeah. attack and, you know I've worked for two judges, and I can tell you judges don't like ad hominem attacks on people. They particularly don't like ad hominem attacks on people that aren't before the court and can't defend themselves. And that tactic rarely works, and it didn't work here. So what the, what the magistrate judge in Indiana held, which is a very interesting ruling, is as it relates to so-called safety rules, those are improper questions to a non-expert witness because they are hypothetical questions. And hypothetical questions should be reserved for expert witnesses who have special expertise in the area. That is a very interesting way to look at reptile. And I hope defense attorneys around the nation start pushing that. That, look, these safety rules are completely made up by the plaintiff's bar. Now, it's one thing if you have an actual statute or regulation that governs the defendant's conduct, then it may be appropriate to ask a, um, a proper non-expert witness, does your company comply with rule A, B, or C, if it's actually based on something. But these hypotheticals based on safety rules that don't exist in real life I thought that was a very interesting holding. So the punchline is the magistrate judge granted the protective order and plaintiff's counsel will not be able to get into reptile questions during depositions, at least of non-experts. Very interesting. So does this trend catch on nationwide? Does everybody jump on this bandwagon? God, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, file your motions get the rulings from the court. I hate to say it like this, but you, as a defense attorney, you're, no, you're really no worse off filing the motion. Ordinarily, you gotta assume that this stuff is fair game in depositions. If you file the motion and you lose, you're no worse off than you were before. Yeah. If the judge reads this opinion from Indiana and says, you know what, I think this guy in Indiana is onto something, I'm going to follow it, huge issue eliminated from the case. That's incredible. Uh, and I believe you have an update on, uh, there's a case up in Boston, correct? Yeah, there was a very interesting case in Boston. A plaintiff bit into a hamburger at a Wendy's restaurant and there was a piece of bone in it. Um, the case got tried twice. First time there was a mistrial. Uh, second time plaintiff won a small amount of money. So the, the case went up on appeal. The citation is 136 Northeast 3rd, 355. And the Massachusetts Intermediate Appellate Court held the mistrial after the first trial was properly granted because reptile questions about safety rules and consciousness of the community were improper. And last time you and I did one of these podcasts, we talked about that case um, in great detail. The update is this. About three weeks ago, the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court granted review in that case. So the case remains citable, but we're going to see uh, an opinion from the high court of the state um, and hope presumably it will address these reptile issues and whether they were proper or not. So stay tuned. Well, I see a vicious battle on the horizon 
over these Absolutely. Issues. Um, what, is, what are your thoughts on how COVID-19 and this pandemic is going to influence litigation, particularly with the reptile tactics? You know, the one thing that's deeply concerning to me is I get, well, at least up until last week, uh, and I still think I get them in my inbox, between Hilton and the rental car companies and the airlines, my inbox fills up with emails telling me how my safety is this company's top priority. And I get them repeatedly. And now you have uh, companies putting this on their websites, uh, even in commercials. Um, I think maybe the PR department's not talking to the legal department. Have you seen yeah. all of these announcements and how they're setting themselves up for potential disaster down the road? Yeah, I, I have seen all of these announcements. I, I understand the PR pitch and I understand what's going on. But yeah, this is left hand not talking to the right hand. Um, clearly, their legal departments are not getting involved in these things from a risk management point of view. I know in the past you've talked about trucking companies that you represent and sometimes you go on their websites and it's all about safety, safety, safety. Yep. And those things come back to bite you. That That's what I fear here. Um, you know, the more important issue is, in my mind, is, you know, this has got to end at some point and how are we going to get our courts back and operating, um, you know, with juries. And a lot of smart people are, are looking at this now. I, I don't know what it's going to be like. You know, I can't see putting... 12 jurors in a small room anymore to deliberate. You I'm gonna have to think about ways to deal with that. Yeah, um, I've heard some attorneys uh, hypothesize that maybe, you know, some like here in Florida, we have six person juries. I believe it's six person in Indiana as well. Um, do you think that maybe for a temporary basis, um, you may see 12 jury systems getting cut in half as a way to promote? Well, a better atmosphere in, in in California that would require a constitutional amendment or the stipulation of the parties I think there's going to be a huge push by trial judges for number one stipulations to reduce the amount of jurors and number two I think there's going to be a big push towards bench trials um, and I can see judges saying you know what I can give you a courtroom now with an experienced trial judge you can do your bench trial just like you've always done it, or you're going to have to wait a while if you're going to want a 12-person jury. The, um, the idea about stipulating the fewer number of jurors, I think, is a good one. But like bench trials, at least in California, that's going to take two to tango. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see how it develops um, on a state-by-state -state basis, uh, region-by-region <laughs> basis i think it's kind of up in the air now and anybody that tells you that they know what's going to happen I, I i don't think i agree with them <laughs> but i do have good news in all of this please at least in california and the ninth circuit appellate courts are kind of up and operating the way things have always done the way things have always been with one exception you're not able to show up at oral argument any, anymore look the judges in the eye and explain your position. You're having to do that by phone. You're having to do that by Zoom. In the grand scheme of things, that's every, everyone can live with that. Everyone would prefer the old system. 
particularly the judges, I think. I think judges, um, appellate judges like oral argument. They like being able to look at attorneys and ask questions in certain cases. Um, a lot of stuff's routine. I don't think that changes. But appellate courts are up and running. However, in order to have appeals, you need to have trials. And at some point, I fear the appellate courts, if trials don't get going, um, you know, the, the docket on appellate cases at some point will run out. I think we're a long way away from that. There's a lot of stuff in the pipeline, but we'll see. Major logjam ahead. Yep. I think so. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We'll definitely Not a problem. Definitely Always happy to do it, Bill. Uh, keep in touch, and uh, we'll see you next time, okay? All right. Take care. Take care. Bye.